You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. I prepared this sermon for this morning in a hotel room in Dalhart. Um, I've already talked a little bit about this in Sunday school. I don't, I don't want to live there. Uh, don't like it much. Uh, pretty busy, pretty loud all the time. A lot of semi-trucks make you feel real small. Um, and I was just sitting in that, that city and the busyness of it, and this city doesn't notice me at all. This city doesn't know that I'm there, doesn't know why I'm there, doesn't, doesn't care. Um, and I'm thinking, I'm just really thinking of sundown and how, how grateful I am to be in this city. Um, now, that doesn't mean that Dalhart, Lord is not doing things in Dalhart. If we have listeners in Dalhart, please, God, don't take offense to this. I don't know what the Lord is doing there, but I could just very clearly articulate what God is doing here and how grateful I am to find myself here to be a part of it. That I... Because we could have all very easily found ourselves somewhere else. But we find ourselves here. And I don't want to waste that. Why do you find yourself here this morning? Do you find yourself here to carry heaviness with you? No, I have a question right off the bat. I was sitting in this hotel room and I was rejoicing in this hotel room alone. Um, A sad place to be for a father and a husband. I don't do well in hotel rooms by myself. Um, It's just boring. I don't have anything to do. No one's crying, and I miss it. And um, I'm sitting there, and I'm just asking this question. Are we going to come here? Having heard what Darby spoke last week, are we going to have come here after a week of rejoicing? Or did we quickly lay that down to carry burdens and heaviness? Did we quickly lay that down and see the obstacles that are in front of us that the Lord has already spoken over and said, I will carry you above these things. But we began to look at these obstacles and think, just discouraged. Just discouraged. Did we end up finding ourselves back in this place of discouragement because of the things that we see? Or did we come here rejoicing? Because we are in the world, we are not of it. So stop taking ownership of things that are of the world. Do you hear me? I'm about to get mean on you again. Ruler smacking your hands on the desk real quick. Because I have had conversations again this week with people that just carry and just wallow in discouragement. They thrive in their discouragement. They, They would choose discouragement over joy. Do those people exist in here? I hope to God not. Otherwise, we're not paying attention. If we're not paying attention, I'll start over. I recorded all my sermons. I kept all the notes. We can go back to 2020, day one, and get into it. I remember it. I remember it because Randy spoke in his sermon up here, his last sermon pre-recorded on a Saturday or a Thursday, some random day, I can't remember. He sat here and I watched him from that pew as he spoke. And he gave this example of in an oil field shutting off a valve. And why do we continue to shut off the valve? 
that is who God has called us to be. We are meant to release it, to open it, withhold nothing from this world that God has put us in. And then I immediately spoke on that. Like, this is what the Lord is calling us into, that we would be released. And then what did we talk about just several weeks ago? The Lord reiterating for the third time, why have you not released yourselves upon this earth? I have released you. Why are you withholding yourself from the world that you dwell in? Why in two years are we talking about the same thing? It's Because we continue to hold ourselves back. But I'm going to talk to you this morning as people that have moved on past that point. Okay? Is that okay? Can I give you that kind of credit? Trusting that tomorrow you will not carry heaviness again, but you will carry joy and you will cause rejoicing. You will cause joy in the people in the community that you find yourself in. Can I trust you with that? Because I will not move on if I cannot trust you with that. I will have Jay come back up here and I will make you sing until it's true. I'm serious. I'm a father of three, and they're all stubborn. I can handle you guys. But I would do us an, I would, it would be a great injustice if I, as your pastor, heard the word of God that was anointed for this morning, if we came with the hearts ready to receive it, and if I saw that maybe we're not there, and He gave me permission to not move on into this Word, I would do you an injustice if I chose to share this Word anyways. So that's why I ask with such urgency, because I cannot share this if we are not in a place to hear it, receive it, and learn from it, be changed and molded by it, that tomorrow we would no longer reflect what we carried yesterday. Amen? And that what we carried this morning would not be the same heaviness we carry tomorrow. That what you carried this morning, the thoughts of heaviness that hit you as you woke up, would not be what you leave here with. Because if you're going to leave with them, I can't share what comes next. Amen? Amen? Let it be, okay? So, I would ask you this again. Are we rejoicing? Have we stopped to ask why? Why would He say, why would God say rejoice when we see everything that's going on in the world, not just in the world, but the world is discouraging. There is discouraging things going on in the world. There are encouraging things at the same time, but we're also, it's just really sad. There's just this ruler of measurement that exists across the globe. And it's so easy for us to get caught up in it. I mean, that's the whole deal with Russia and Ukraine. One just thinks they need to be more than they are, so I'm going to destroy these people so that I can be more than I am. What? And we get caught up in that measurement. And it's discouraging. And there's, there's, you know, we've heard this phrase, keeping up with the Joneses. It's because we live in a world that, that thrives on measurement, comparison. It's difficult. But then the Lord says, in the midst of all of it, rejoice. Which means to cause joy. I drove over those railroad tracks this week. Guadalajara University in 114 in Leveland, Texas. And I thought of the word that was established on those railroad tracks. Rejoice. Stop choosing anything but that. He would say, cause joy in the midst of everything going on. He would offer this solution. The world would say, no, you need to be sad. You need to be heavy laden, burdened. He doesn't say to carry burdens. He says to cast them upon him. 
He says to carry joy, to put on joy. Why would He say this? In a world that is easy to sit back and say there is nothing good happening and there is nothing good that I can do. I can't change it. We do that too. We start to measure, what can I do? How can I help a conflict going, over, going on across the world? And the Lord would say, rejoice. Cause joy. A perfect solution if you really think about it. He says rejoice. The world says despair, but the world is not living with hope. But God, remember this, in a world full of hopelessness that is choosing hopelessness, we have a God that says in Romans 15, 13, whose literal title is the God of hope, that He may fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Another perfect solution to the circumstances we find ourselves in. The world is hopeless and I have called you to abound in it. Overflow with it. That you, could not, that you would have so much that you could not contain it that it would overflow out of you. So much rejoicing would exist in your story that it would begin to cause joy in others. That that much rejoicing would exist in your story. That that much hope would exist in your story. Our God says to abound in hope. He says to cause joy. And I ask this question again. Okay, Lord, you keep saying this. Why? And He said as clear as day, and I better have your attention right now. Because I know what tomorrow brings. So why are we dwelling on yesterday? Because God says today to rejoice, abound in hope, because tomorrow is coming and I know what it brings. And it is for your good. It is not for your destruction. Amen? Amen. It is full of your promises that He has spoken. It is full of His grace. It is full of His joy. And it carries the fruition of your dreams. It carries the completion. It carries the fruit from the tree of life. The things that you have dreamed for, that you have held on to, tomorrow brings them. If you abound in hope and rejoice. Because if you are sitting here looking at the floor, how can I ever see the sun rise over me? I can't. And that's what despair, that's what discouragement, that's what hopelessness causes you to do. To look down at your feet, see that your shoes are dirty and not recognize the miraculous that is taking place around you. Despite that circumstance in front of you. In spite of it, not despite, in spite of it. Because it stands against those circumstances. It says, you would seek to come against my child, watch what I do. We are God's elect and who can stand against us? There it is. Come on, Johnny, you got it. Lead them in it. So again, I say rejoice. Let the rejoicing done here cause joy not only to sundown, but throughout the earth. I saw this as the Lord just said, rejoice, cause joy, what it is. We know fire very well here and the Lord has taught it. I had, I, we've got uh, friends with cattle out that way and they had a pasture, like 600 acres of it burned this week. That grass fire, it burns quick, especially when that wind starts blowing. And the Lord just says, start to rejoice and I will blow like the winds blow, like we know them well. We know how to deal with them. We get really annoyed with them, but it's a beautiful example. And I will cause joy in places you have never set foot because of the rejoicing that you do here. And why, after him saying these things, why would we waste our time with anything else? Because he's literally said, I will change the world if you rejoice in sundown Texas, a place no one in Ukraine knows of, no one in Russia knows of. Most people in Lubbock don't know it exists. That's 30 minutes away. There are people, I have met people who have lived in Leveland. Like, I, I live in Sundown. What? Sundown. 
thinking I'm talking about a time of day. No, I just, I'm 15 minutes away from you. (laughs) It's a real place that exists. I didn't believe Kendall when he said there was a place called Sundown. And he drove us out here. I thought, there's no town out here. There's nothingness. And then, poof, here it is. And the Lord has said in this place that has been overlooked by the world, and most of us that have dwelt in it have felt overlooked at one point in our story. This place that is overlooked by its neighbors, the Lord has said, I will do these things here. Amen. Amen. So why would we waste any time in despair? Because I am a part of what he has said he will do in Sundown, Texas. He spoke these words over this community, over West Texas, and he had me in mind. If that doesn't get you excited and ready to work, there is, I can't do anything for you. Because he spoke these wonderful things, not in spite of you, but because you were here. And he knows this, my child, I can, I can assign them to this. And they will steward it well. They will receive it well. So let, again, the rejoicing done here cause joy not only to sundown, but throughout the earth. Amen? Amen. Do you mean it? Do you know what amen means? It means let it be. Say let it be. Say let it be. Come on now, golly. I'll turn it up. I'm at like six right now. I can get to ten. Okay? Say, let it be with confidence. We are meant for this. You were born into this world however many years ago. You were born and the Lord thought of this day. And he, He thought of what He would release over you this day. That should cause us to rejoice. Amen? Rejoicing in all things. Praying from a place of rejoicing. Living each and every day from this place of rejoicing. Amen? Amen. Okay, good. Intro concluded. Now for today. I want to challenge your prayer life this morning. There are some in here, the Lord showed me this, and He showed me this over several weeks, but there are some of us, and again, remember, Darby said it last week, and I'm grateful that she said it. These, these words come from a place of the Lord working in me, and then releasing a word over us but he had to start with me. So don't take offense when I say that there are some of us in here who doubt the prayers we have been called to pray, the prayers that we are prompted to pray, the prayers that we feel led to pray. We doubt them. There are some in here who have held a ruler next to their prayer lives and judged their worth and effectiveness. We have sat there and we have prayed for things and we've, oh, well, I didn't see it come, so I'm not, the Lord's not hearing me. I'm not a very good prayer person. Um, I'm not gifted with the gift of prayer or uh, I just don't know what to pray. The Lord has, sp- has spoken for this morning that we would remove that ruler of comparison and of measurement from our prayer lives because every one of us was anointed to pray things into existence. It never says in John 15, that if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, those anointed to pray. That's not what it says. That's not what it says. And heaven is not a storage facility and it is full of what we will not ask God for. The Lord has called us into a season of fruit. This is the time that we are in. He is placing desires in your heart that you would pray. 
but we are dismissing ourselves. Again, we are shutting off the valve. We are, we are holding ourselves back. We are dismissing ourselves. We are doubting the value of our desires in our hearts. We have pursued God, and these desires rise up, but we refuse to pray. It says, again, if you abide in me, and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish. By this my Father is glorified. When you ask, the Father is glorified. Because there's a connection, there's a oneness between our hearts, my heart and His. He's hearing echoed to Him His own desires for us and for those around us. And it brings Him glory. And He delights in the answering of these prayers. And not only is He glorified that you ask, but He's glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. It is to be the proof of who we belong to. Not this humbleness of, oh, I never ask God for anything because I don't want to burden Him. That doesn't make you more Christian. That doesn't make you more favored. He doesn't like you more because you put on pretend humility. That is false humility. I will will make myself low. I am unworthy to ask God for anything. That is not humility. That is bondage. That is slavery. That is not humility. Humility is the recognizing that He is glorified, I am not glorified. And those are His desires, not my desires. And I prove to be His disciple by what He does in and through me, not by anything I do of my own accord. That's the humility that He seeks to see. But we have adopted this mentality of this humility where I am less, I can do nothing, and this is true, but you have held yourself in this place that you are not even worthy You are not worthy to even believe the truth that He has spoken over you. You are a co-heir with Christ. It's time to stand up off the floor and put on the cloak of authority. Put on the robe that He has placed over you. Put on this ring that He has adopted you with that says, I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. And it is time for us to walk boldly with our shoulders held high saying, I am a co-heir with Christ. He did not buy you that you would stay lowly on the floor refusing to wear your identity. That is not what He has done for us. We are dismissing ourselves. We are seeing. We are are pursuing God and then He's placing desires in our hearts and we're dismissing ourselves. I'm not worthy to pray that. Or no, He's not. I don't want to burden Him with this prayer. I don't need to ask this. I don't need to ask Him for this. And I wonder why. Now you'll hear... What I say in a second is a, as measurement, but it was the, the best way I could illustrate this, and you'll understand what I'm talking about. I had this question as I was sitting in this sanctuary this week in prayer. If we doubt He will answer little prayers, how could we ever hope to pray the big ones? And now you know what I mean. There is no small and little prayer in the kingdom of God, and in His heart there is no small or little thing, but we have made those to exist. We, they only exist this side of heaven. We made these up, but you know what I'm talking about. The things that we think are small, we refuse to pray for. Oh no, I can't pray for that. I don't want to burden God with that. But He's given you the desire to pray for it, but we refuse to do it. And so then when the person comes that needs healing, we refuse to pray because I have not even prayed for the little thing that He gave me to pray for. How could we ever hope to pray 
these prayers. God only sees obedience. He only sees the heart who desires His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But let me give you a further example of what I'm talking about. Um, the Lord has, the Lord teaches, parents, you get it. He teaches you through your kids probably more than anything. He teaches me immensely through my children. And we, Eden has had a, I mean, she's had some reflux stuff and, you know, your kid's in pain and we want to figure out what to do. And I've shared a little bit about this and, um, shared about taking this medicine and the Lord saying, I did not tell you to do that. Stop that. And we said, yes, sir. Um, and in that moment, we just prayed, okay, we have, we have said yes to what you have. We have repented for not listening to you in the care of this child. Would you remove this medicine from her? And he did it like right then and there. And it was this beautiful thing that mo- most, and in my mind, I wrestled with this thought of, it's just a baby being a baby. I don't need to pray for that but the Lord still prompted me to pray. And then the other night, she was just having a really hard time going to sleep. Um, and uh, I was just praying that she would find rest. I was, uh, I was praying the holy fancy prayers. We also do this. We start to put this Christianese language on it because we think if I dress it up really nice, it will be holier of a prayer and the Lord will receive it uh, with more gratitude and graciousness and willingness to answer because I dressed it up with fancy Christian terms, right? And so I was sitting there, I was like, Lord, I pray that she would find rest. It's like, and he just said, she doesn't need rest, she needs sleep. Like, yep. He said, ask me to give her sleep. And I just hit my knees and I'm just sitting there like, what? She's just a baby crying. He said, ask for her to sleep. And I remember she was crying. It was 10:48 when I asked. And at 10:49, she was quiet. When I asked him to give her sleep, and he gave her sleep. Now babies are going to cry. Babies are going to be up late and you're not going to get sleep. That's just the nature of a baby. It's just part of it. But in this moment, the Lord was teaching me. He was he was trying to teach me one in Matthew 6:7. Look at that real quick. There it is. Hey, there we go. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Stop thinking that you have to dress up the prayers that God has given you to pray. It's the same thing I encourage this staff with. If the Lord has given you a word, don't get up there and try to dress up a sermon that it would take a certain amount of time. You say what God has given you to say and you get off the stage. Because that is what the Lord has given you to say. And if there's more that you need to say, you'll say it and you'll take up whatever time you need to take up. But this legality that I need to be up there for 45 minutes or church is going to be off schedule and then we're going to be in trouble and we're going to get to lunch early. Or I've got an hour worth of preaching that I need to do and we're not getting out of here till 1 o'clock. So be it, because the Lord has a work anointed for this day. Let it be done the way it needs to be done. Amen? And let you... Just pray, free yourself from thinking that you have to use certain words to pray in a way that you're supposed to pray. He just asks that he would hear the desires that he has placed in your heart repeated back to him. And the words that he's given you to pray for. If they're simple, if it's three words, let it be. 
If that's it, let it be. If it's one word, it doesn't matter. Just walk in obedience and say it in obedience and say it in faith, knowing that God will answer what, you've, what you have spoken because He placed that desire in you. Do not throw up these empty phrases, these fancy words. If God is asking you to pray for sleep over your child, pray for sleep, don't pray for rest. Because sleep and rest aren't the same thing. Parents, we know this. My child has rested before, and those eyes hadn't blinked once. They're just wide awake. And those eyes are scary at 3 a.m. When you go over to check on them, they're just looking right back at you. You're like, ah! <laughs> just like, please don't be upset. Sorry I disturbed your rest. Sleep and rest are different. Pray what God has given you to pray. Don't dress it up in some way that you're not meant to. And so again, I began to pray without doubting for her to sleep. And sleep she did. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. The second you speak it, the second it leaves your lips, stand in this place of the Lord has released what I have just prayed for. It may be on its way. It may be waiting for me right outside, but He has released it. He has done it. There may be a timeline in which He needs to do things, but this prayer being prayed, it has been done. Don't put a preference then around how that prayer should be done. If I pray for healing for this person, don't be mad when they go to the doctor and they're still broken. Because the Lord said pray for healing. And you prayed for healing, but let the healing look like what He needs it to look like. Because maybe there's a life in that hospital that that person needs to get to first. And the illness is the only thing getting them in the door. Right? Come on. But live in this place without doubt. Again, that's the only card he has left to play. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy through fear, doubt, and division. But the first thing he will always introduce is doubt. Because when I doubt, then do I have fear. And then do I have division. But without doubt, the others won't exist. So put on truth, believing the reality that when I have prayed, if I abide in Him and His Word abides in me, I can ask for whatever I wish. Those desires in my heart, He just says, ask Him. By this, my Father is glorified that I would bear much fruit. And I experienced that that night. He placed the desire to pray this prayer in me to show me that He is good and He does not measure and He values my prayers and He is eagerly waiting to pour out what we ask for. Amen? And I experienced Romans 8, 6, or Romans 8, 26. I'm sorry. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I was praying for my daughter and I could feel the Holy Spirit praying for me. Praying that in this moment, Parker would understand what I'm, what I'm trying to teach him. Because if he grasped it, those three children grasp it. Have you ever felt the Holy Spirit interceding for you? It's intense. And he intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he's sitting here interceding for us that we would pray for what He has given us the desire to pray for. He is literally interceding that you would simply open your mouth and speak the desires of your heart that the Lord has placed in you. And I saw that. I experienced that. The Holy Spirit was praying for me as I was praying for her. Praying that I would know. Praying that I would know Luke 
11, verse 9, And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. It's a beautiful thing to knock and have the door opened. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. So what am I saying this morning? To those of us who doubt our prayers, who measure our prayers, who think we have to dress it up, who think it's not worthy of God's time, dismiss our prayers before praying them, I'm saying that you are seen, that you are heard, and you are highly favored. Will you receive that this morning again? I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to open your hands. I'm going to ask you to receive this again this morning as the Lord is just showing me right now. I'm saying that you are heard. Do you believe it? The prayers that you play, pray and not play, the prayers that you pray are heard. Hold your hands open. Sarah, Carrie, the only one doing it. Come on. Instructions, people. You are heard. Your prayers are heard. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. That was spoken for you. You are highly favored. There is no working yourself up to the front of the line. There is no doing certain things that God would see you and pull you up and let you have your 30 seconds to speak to Him. God is not the DMV. You don't have to take a number and sit in a chair for three hours. That's not who God is. You are highly favored. And when you speak, He listens. Can you hear that this morning? When you speak, the creator of the universe listens. Who else can say that? Don't forget, you are the one that he left the 99 for. If if you don't believe that you are highly favored, just recognize that truth, that you are the one he left the 99 for. How much more favor can you get? You are highly favored. Pray like it. Amen? Pray like it. Pray like you are chosen. Pray like you are heard and pray like you are highly favored. Amen? Pray the desires that He has placed in your heart. Release them. Release yourself. You are not meant to be withheld. You are not meant to be made small. You are meant to be released upon the earth like a wildfire, all-consuming that nothing could stand against. Who can stand against God's elect? There is no one. Nothing ever created in heaven and earth can stand against you, God's elect. So release yourselves. Release the prayers. I don't care if it's the tiniest little prayer or the biggest prayer. That doesn't exist in the kingdom of heaven. He just asked that you would be obedient to pray what He's given you to pray. Stop measuring. Remove that from your, from your di- definition or your dictionary in your head of, of what this prayer life needs to look like. Remove it. Erase it right now. There is no measurement. There is only obedience. And if it's two words, if it's one word, if it's 50 words, pray it in faith, knowing that God has released it the second it left your lips. Amen? Amen. The world that we are building is a world that will be built upon the prayer of God's people. Amen? The world that He is building, the kingdom of God that He is establishing in this place will be built upon a foundation of prayers. Things asked for and things received. He is sitting in heaven with this moving van full, ready to drive it right here. He needs us to begin to ask what He's given us to ask.
to speak into existence the things He's chosen and called and given to us to speak into existence. It is ours to do, and it is ours to pray in faith. Amen? Lord, I pray that that would be true and reflective of this house, that we would be a people who pray. And pray from the position of, I am chosen. I am heard and I am highly favored. You don't give the desires of your heart to just anyone. You only give it to your sons and daughters. Because you know and you hope that we will pray those into existence. You desire to hear the hearts, that you desire to hear what exists in your heart reflected in us. You desire so deeply. You yearn with such a longing to hear in your children the desires of your own heart repeated back to you. What greater gift is there than to hear a child speak? Speak of the heart that is reflective in the parent. There is nothing more beautiful than to hear the desires of our heart for our children reflected in them back to us. You desire that for this house and for the people in it. So I pray that we would be a, we would be a force to be reckoned with. We would release ourselves. And that I pray, God, right now, I pray that we would open the valve completely and the valve could never be shut again. The handle would break. There would be no way to shut it off ever again. That once it's fully opened, it would never be closed again. In Jesus' name. I pray that we would just receive that now and that we would allow You to open it up in us. In Jesus' name. Holy Spirit. That You would open the valve. That we would release ourselves and there would be no way to close it. And I pray that there would be no one left in the boat. But that we would all be on the waters walking with You bringing peace to the storm wherever we step. I pray that we would be a people that rejoice because we are highly favored and we are heard and we are chosen. I pray that we would rejoice and that the rejoicing that happens here would cause joy to the ends of the earth. That people may not know where this joy came from when it meets them, but we would know it came from this place and out of this house that joy came to them because we refused to do anything but rejoice because you have instructed us to do so and we say yes and amen. And the children of God said, amen. amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.